Hey everybody and welcome to the Health Tech Podcast where we talk about everything healthcare and technology. I'm your host, James Somaru, and this is your weekly Sunday session. Hey everyone, I know it's Monday, it's not Sunday, sorry about that, I promise I'll get back on track as soon as I can, it's just been such a busy time trying to do a million different things at once and uh, I think maybe yesterday I was just a bit nervous looking forward to Boris Johnson's uh, announcement on COVID-19 and lockdown but sadly not really much to uh, glean from that was there it all seems a bit vague and um, yeah not really sure what the difference is although it seems like I can go to the park it seems like the tennis club might be open by Wednesday which is exciting but anyway um, yeah it's Monday I'll be back on track next week starting with Sunday sessions again Um, But look, this week I'm going to tell you all about the brand new AI checklist which has been issued here in the UK for health and care organisations and it's been issued by NHSX and it's an incredibly succinct document outlining a load of simple questions for organisations to ask AI companies if they want to buy them. So if you are an AI company, this is extremely relevant. If you are an entrepreneur in the space, this is extremely relevant. And even if you're in a different country and you're looking to move into the UK, if you're looking to get your AI technology bought by the UK, or indeed if you work in one of these organisations and you want to understand how they think about adopting AI and you want to get involved, then definitely have a listen to the rest of the episode. Um, so the document starts by setting the scene and they say that the NHSX AI lab has got this mission to accelerate the safe adoption of AI in health and care and they touch on the fact that COVID-19 has presented this enormous opportunity for the uptake and is leading to you know a bit of flexibility and things which we touched on in a different episode. Um, and that health and care organisations at the moment are getting a lot of AI proposals and because of that they need to be sure that any AI tech is meeting you know really good standard of safety and efficiency so the checklist is aimed at procurement teams CFOs service transformation and commissioning leads in-house data scientists and analysts and other chief officers so what we know from that is that if you are a startup and you're looking to get your AI procured by a health and or care organization, those are the job titles you need to go after. So if you want to head over to LinkedIn and just type in those job titles, just start adding guys and start messaging and uh, yeah, try and meet these people as much as you can and go for coffees, not they have time for that generally, but if you can get on the phone with them and you know, build some understanding and some trust and some relationships with them, those are the people that are going to hold the reins for any future buying of AI products. So um, yeah, that, that I thought that was a really interesting part of it, even right at the start. So, so on to the checklist. It's a 10 point checklist and within it, there's a load of different questions. Some of it really specific, some of it a bit more high level, but it begins by saying, is AI the right solution for the type of problem you need to solve? So bearing in mind you here is the healthcare organization or, or health organization or care organization. So essentially, if you're a startup or you're looking to get your AI bought, you know, don't just throw in the letters AI and hope for the best here. They say in the document that you should work with practitioners and operational staff to define the use case and availability of data for any proposed AI solution. So here we go. Things we talk about in this podcast all the time, co-development, building relationships with departments and individuals, building trust, truly understanding their problem, how to solve it. All of it's covered in that first bit. 
Point two, can this technology be procured through a transparent, fair, competitive process? So there is really specific guidance on this uh, in, in this document, but you know it often involves being on a framework like G Cloud. But look, basically prepare to enter a procurement process and understand it. And you can head to the doc to click on the links for that. I'm not gonna spend too long on it here because uh, you can just go in and click it and understand it. So the next bit, can this product do what it claims it can? So if you're a startup, look at this section in a lot of detail. There's 11 specific questions within this section, which you should literally just have the answer to immediately. It's a huge opportunity to just see 11 questions that they're just gonna ask you in a sales meeting. So it covers some things you'd expect, intended use, indications, evidence, performance metrics, what human input is required, but it also contains some really detailed elements. Is the target prediction for the product correlated to a real world outcome? Is it plausible that the label data to train the product actually exists? It talks about training data, it talks about validation data sets, it talks about failure rates, considering class balances in there, evaluating performances in there. So there's some really, really, really specific information there. And it's a good one to go through whatever stage you're at, because if you go through it and you understand all of those questions and you can answer them straight away as a startup you kind of know that you're ready but if you're stumbling on one it's a real opportunity to be like here's where we're weak let's work on this and become strong on this and we're stronger as a company so really good section that really enjoy reading that one so next bit are the users of this product primed to use it so they say that a common failure point for ai adoption is a lack of consideration towards changes in the end users workflow Widespread practitioner and operational support, best gained at the outset, is critical to successful implementation. You know, how often do we talk about this on the podcast about building it into a clinician's workflow? It's so obvious and, you know, rarely done, I'd say, from the outset, but definitely something to think about. And specifically, they say changing how people perform their day-to-day work is a difficult task and it requires persuasive communications, practical training and ongoing support. And they ask of the startup, are you able to provide these? Something that you absolutely need to think about because all of that is extremely true and that is the difficulty of adoption. So does this product meet regulatory standards? That's the next one. So CE marking, potentially CQC, um, so that's our regulator. Flexibility around COVID-19 is mentioned. Um, But look, you can get a load of info on this by going back to the episode that I recorded with Hugh Harvey. And again, just looking at the regulatory standards that you need. C marks definitely something you need to be on the way to. The CQC regulation, possibly, depending on how much of a service you wrap around it. But again, head to the doc and check that out. Um, Point number six. So what information sharing and data protection protocols need to be in place so again really specific guidance here there's an information sharing agreement and there's a data protection impact assessment so the healthcare organization's data protection officer will be able to support the company in getting this stuff done so um, there's a new title for you for your LinkedIn trawling as well Uh, and completing those protocols basically means that the entire flow of data is going to be mapped for the whole process 
So number seven, IP. Now, here's a really interesting one on IP. So organizations, health and care organizations are encouraged and supported into commercial discussions on this. So NHS section of the documents say that given that algorithms iterate and improve the more data that they're fed, it may be that your organization's use of the AR product in question contributes to its development. IP may be created that increases the product's value. And if that's likely to be the case, you should take advice at the outset to ensure that your organization secures an acceptable commercial agreement and that NHSX's newly set up center of expertise is gonna help organizations with that. So if you are a company with an AI product that's gonna get more accurate the more it's used by an organization, expect to be met with the question and expect to have an answer to, is there a commercial arrangement here? Are we adding value? Is that worth something? I think that's a really interesting point and something which I can only imagine is gonna increase in future and, and be brought up more and more. So number eight, do you have the necessary storage and computing requirements? So the guidance says that additional costs associated with support from your organization's IT personnel should be considered alongside the cost of product itself. So essentially, if you're a company, bear this in mind. If you're a startup and you're hoping that you'll you know, do a good deal and, and get a paid pilot or a contract, bear in mind that extra costs for the organization might have to be borne. And so that's a really good reason to target sites that are already adopting AI and already have that infrastructure. Point number nine is around interoperability. So back-end integrations are essential, they say, for ensuring a clear and reliable workflow. Could not agree more. So it has to be tackled. Um, in the guidance, they even give this example of a product that introduces decision support for a radiologist, but it only integrates with the storage image storing system and not the radiology information system. Sounds very specific, but actually very true. Um, because in that instance, the decision support will not automatically flag, rather the radiologist will be reliant on manually operating a patient's imaging set to identify something of concerns. So they get really granular in basically saying you're going to have to become interoperable with everything in the clinician's workflow in order to make this easier. And I guess what they're touching on there is that in that example, it's not a net reduction of work. So what's the point in the AI? And I think that's it's something that I've seen you know, all through my career since I did quality improvement projects. I was never happy doing any project which resulted in a net increase of work. Okay, it increases safety, it might increase quality, but if it's a net increase in work, then why are people gonna change what they do now into something that's more work for them when what they've been doing now has been fine? It might not be optimal, but it's been fine. And so, you know, people aren't going to tolerate a net increase in work or indeed, you know, anything that isn't a net reduction if it's gonna take a, a, monumental, a monumental effort in adoption, right? So. Number 10, and finally, so can you manage the maintenance burden of this new technology? So here are more reasons to target certain sites that you know are capable of coping with AI. The guidance says to health and care organizations that you need to be confident of having skilled and affordable in-house or outsourced technical personnel available to ensure that the product is working as it should far into the future. So that includes managing both downtime 
and future performance. And so there's questions here for the health and care organizations to ask themselves around what if the product fails? What if it gets performance drift? What if the AI company goes out of business? And these are all assurances that you as the AI company or entrepreneur will need to give and that you can be prepared for. So if I had an AI company here, I think my approach would be relatively straightforward. My NHS deck would probably literally have 10 slides, well, I suppose what actually 11 or 12 slides. Slides one might, slide one might be the name of my company, slide two might be the problem that I solve, but then I would literally just take each of those 10 points one by one, reference them, reference the document and answer them. You literally know how to have a conversation with someone from the NHS with this and you therefore also know what work needs to be done at your end beforehand to make sure that you've got literally a 10 out of 10 answer for each and every part of it to have that conversation and give yourself the best chance of getting a paid pilot a contract a partnership whatever it is you're going for so you can contact uh, the ai lab at AI lab at nhsx.nhs.uk. I'll stick that in the description of the episode. And I think, you know, as documents go from the Department of Health and Government, I think that's a really good one. It's really succinct, it's really clear, it's really obvious, and it doesn't waffle it straight to the point. It's a few pages long. And I think for, I think whether you're an AI startup or not, actually, whatever you're doing in health tech, it's worth having a read of that, of this document. AI is only going to creep into everything else that we do over time anyway, so it's something you're going to need to be au fait with at some point. But I think as a document which kind of summarises the way that NHS organisations think about risk and think about mitigating for that risk, it's a really good way to get in the minds of the people that procure health tech solutions. So I massively recommend having a read. Honestly, it is not long. It will take you 10 minutes, 5 minutes to read it all if that even um but i think you'll you'll all learn a great deal i think it'd be be really good for you to, to read it so um one more thing you might have seen or heard about somex so i put a linkedin post out about this last week and it's the new thing that i'm building and no major announcements for me yet but here's the thing i've been supporting health tech startups and companies and organizations and people now for 10 years you know since i started as a junior doctor in 2010 i've been helping them get adopted into organizations telling them how to communicate to the healthcare world leveraging things like policy helping them with fundraising partnerships introductions all over the place i've run two accelerators i've dealt with corporates vcs angels family offices and the thing is, I know a lot of you that listen can probably relate to this. Once I've been in a sector or a role or you know, at a certain vantage point for a year or two, I feel like I understand it by that point. And I've kind of had those one to two year vantage points all over this health tech space now from clinical to policy, to accelerators, to investment, even journalism, writing for Forbes and even speaking to you guys on this podcast and getting all the feedback from you. And what I'm building at Somex is an agency. You might have seen the tagline, the health tech agency. And it's gonna be an agency for any organization in health tech to come to and receive a service. Now, I'm already starting working with clients in stealth mode or soft launch, whatever you want to call it. 
And I've been figuring out what people need for quite a long time now and how I can help more recently incredibly efficiently. And so I'm building a team and you know, I must admit, it feels really exciting and, and something that I actually think will unite the best companies and organizations in the space. And I, I do want an element of it to be this platform for the best organizations and a way of uniting the sector and, and being a place for people to come to in health tech. And look, I don't want to say too much more. I'd still, I'd probably more than I want to say anyway for now. But um, head over to somex.co.uk if you're keen to learn more and you can sign up to the mailing list to be the first to hear of any developments. If you as an organization are absolutely desperate to be involved ASAP, you might have heard some of the bits and bobs that I'm up to. Uh, you, If you're a health tech corporate, if you're an institutional investor or you're a post seed startup, then email me at js at somex.co.uk. We can have a chat about coming in while we're still in stealth. Um, I can't promise anything, but yeah if, if you're desperate to be involved and you've heard about what i'm doing then um then by all means have a chat if you're in one of those categories and look i'll have offerings for more types of people and organizations than that when we launch but that's who i'm delivering for at the moment with the team that i've got so by all means get in touch but yeah exciting times um and look it's been a pleasure once again this week um as I say, take a look at that AI checklist. I think it'll add a huge amount of value to health tech organizations out there, not just startups, I think investors and, and everybody else to really glean that understanding of how NHS organizations are thinking about procuring AI and even you know to validate the fact that they are thinking about procuring AI. I think particularly for the investors in the space, it's one of those things that NHS business models are criticized nhs business models are often completely rejected but you know i've seen a few announcements recently skin analytics in birmingham with with nhs organizations febris in east london with care organizations both ai companies both very good ai companies actually with a very strong offering getting bought by the nhs now and and care organizations so something to look at i think um, for investors in the space potentially a turning point who knows so look, there it is. Have a great week, everybody. I'm down the airwaves on Thursday with a new story. Um, I, can't, I can't remember who it is, but um, I'll let you know uh, on Thursday. And I promise I'll be back next Sunday with next week's Sunday session. So for everybody out there, have a wonderful week and I will catch you down the airwaves soon. <laughs>